Welcome to the podcast, where we bring you inspiring stories of people who have made a significant impact on the world. I am your host, Dev, and I'm here to share with you the life and legacy of one of the most influential leaders in American history. In this podcast, I will interview Abraham Lincoln himself, as if he were alive today, and ask him to share his life stories, lessons he's learned, and important incidents he's experienced. This channel depicts fictional podcasts between dev and guests, with all content generated using AI language models. The ideas and opinions expressed in the podcast are not reflective of the thoughts of the people. The content portrayed in this video is purely for entertainment purposes and should not be taken as a representation of the actual beliefs or attitudes of the individuals portrayed. The use of AI technology to generate this content is solely intended as an exploration of the capabilities of language models and should not be misconstrued as a genuine conversation between the individuals depicted. Any resemblance to actual events, individuals, or entities is purely coincidental. Viewers are encouraged to approach this content with a critical and discerning eye, and to understand that the views expressed in this video are not intended to reflect those of the individuals portrayed, or of any affiliated organizations or entities. Let's begin by welcoming our guest, Abraham Lincoln. Mr. Lincoln, thank you for joining us today. Mr. Lincoln. Leo Tolstoy, the renowned Russian author, once praised you for giving a voice to the voiceless and turning politics into an art. Could you shed some light on this? Certainly, Dev. When I entered the political arena, I was driven by a deep sense of justice and a desire to uplift those who were oppressed and marginalized. Through my speeches and actions, I sought to give a voice to those who had been silenced for far too long. I believe that politics should be more than just a game of power, it should be an art form that elevates the human condition. To me, politics was a way of expressing my values and vision for a more perfect union. I was inspired by the great thinkers and writers of my time, such as Thomas Jefferson, who drafted the Declaration of Independence, Henry Clay, who championed the Compromise of 1850, and Ralph Waldo Emerson, who advocated for self-reliance and transcendentalism. I also admired Leo Tolstoy for his profound insights into human nature and his masterful storytelling. I was honored to receive his praise and recognition. Some of his works, such as War and Peace and Anna Karenina, are among my favorite books. Your impact extended not only to African Americans but also to immigrants and ordinary citizens. Can you share an example that highlights this? Absolutely, Dev. One of the most significant examples of my impact was the passage of the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery in the United States permanently. This was a historic achievement that ended an inhumane institution and secured the rights of millions of African Americans. Of course, this amendment was only possible after a long and bloody civil war, which I led as Commander-in-Chief. I was determined to preserve the Union and the ideals of democracy and liberty that it represented. Furthermore, I also supported the Homestead Act, which granted free land to settlers who agreed to farm it for five years. This encouraged immigration and westward expansion, creating new opportunities for ordinary citizens to prosper. I believe that America was a land of promise and possibility for everyone, regardless of their race, ethnicity, or religion. Freedom was a central theme in your life, Mr. Lincoln. Can you share your perspective on what freedom meant to you? To me, freedom meant more than just being free from physical chains. 
It meant being secure from dependence on others and having the ability to determine one's own future. It also meant having the opportunity to pursue one's own happiness and contribute to the common good. I believe that every human being had a natural right to freedom and that no one should be enslaved or oppressed by another. In your political career, you excelled in the game of politics, understanding the importance of persuasion and strategy. Could you give us an example that showcases your skills in this realm? Certainly, Dev. One of the pivotal moments in my presidency was the Gettysburg Address, a speech delivered during the American Civil War. In just a few concise and powerful sentences, I sought to unite the nation, honor the fallen soldiers, and inspire a collective commitment to the principles upon which our nation was founded. The speech's impact was profound, as it stirred the hearts and minds of millions, rallying them behind the cause of preserving the Union and ensuring a brighter future for all Americans. Mr. Lincoln, you were known for being a skilled listener and thoughtful planner. How did these qualities contribute to your success as a leader? Dev, being an effective leader requires more than just speaking. It entails understanding the needs and perspectives of others, listening attentively, and incorporating diverse viewpoints into the decision-making process. By actively listening to those around me, I was able to gain a deeper understanding of the challenges we faced as a nation and develop strategies to address them. Thoughtful planning allowed me to anticipate potential obstacles and devise effective solutions, always thinking several moves ahead, much like a chess player strategizing for victory. You were born on February 12, 1809, in a log cabin near Hodgenville, Kentucky. What can you tell us about your parents and your childhood? Well, my parents were Thomas Lincoln and Nancy Hanks Lincoln. They were both hard-working farmers who had very little education. They belonged to a Baptist church that opposed slavery and alcohol. They taught me to be honest, respectful, and God-fearing. My childhood was not very happy or easy. We moved several times from Kentucky to Indiana to Illinois, looking for better land and opportunities. We faced many hardships along the way, such as hunger, disease, and violence. When I was nine years old, my mother died of milk sickness, which was caused by drinking contaminated milk from cows that had eaten poisonous plants. I was very close to her, and her death left a deep wound in my heart. I had very little formal schooling, maybe a year in total. But I loved to read and learn new things. I borrowed books from anyone who would lend them to me, and I read them by the firelight at night. Some of the books that influenced me were the Bible, Aesop's Fables, Pilgrim's Progress, Robinson Crusoe, and the works of Shakespeare. I also learned to write and do arithmetic by using a piece of charcoal and a wooden board. I had a strong sense of justice and fairness since I was young. I hated to see anyone suffer or be mistreated. I stood up for the weak and the oppressed. You grew up in a time when slavery was legal in some states but not in others. How did you feel about slavery? I always hated slavery. I thought it was a great moral wrong that violated the principles of democracy and human dignity. I saw how it degraded both the enslaved people and their masters. I witnessed some of the horrors of slavery firsthand when I visited New Orleans as a young man and saw enslaved people being sold at auctions like cattle. 
I believe that slavery should not be allowed to spread to new territories or states that joined the Union. I also hoped that it would eventually die out in the states where it already existed. But I did not think that the federal government had the power or the right to interfere with slavery where it was already established by law. I also recognized that slavery was a complex and divisive issue that threatened to tear apart the nation. I tried to find a way to preserve the Union while respecting the rights of both the free states and the slave states. As we continue our conversation, I want to talk about your entry into politics. How did you get started, and what were some of the challenges you faced? Well, I became interested in politics when I moved to Illinois and became a lawyer. I was elected to the Illinois State Legislature in 1834 and served four terms. I also ran for Congress in 1846 but lost. I was later elected to Congress in 1848 and served one term. One of the biggest challenges I faced was the issue of slavery. It was a highly controversial issue that divided the nation and my own party. I believed that slavery was wrong and should not be allowed to spread, but I also believed in the constitutional rights of the slave states. I had to navigate a delicate balance between my personal convictions and my duties as an elected representative. Another challenge I faced was my own reputation. I was not a wealthy or well-connected man, and I did not come from a prestigious family. I was often underestimated and criticized by my opponents. But I persevered and worked hard to gain the respect of my colleagues and constituents. Mr. Lincoln, let's now turn our focus to the challenges of the Civil War and your efforts to reunite the nation. How did you navigate these difficult times and work towards bringing the country back together? The Civil War was the greatest crisis in the history of our nation. It pitted brother against brother, and divided families, communities, and states. It threatened to destroy the very idea of America as a democratic, free, and united republic. As president, my first priority was to preserve the Union. I believed that the United States was a unique experiment in self-government that had to be protected and defended at all costs. I saw secession as an unconstitutional and illegitimate act that would lead to anarchy and tyranny. At the same time, I recognized that the war was not just about preserving the Union, but also about ending slavery and extending freedom to all Americans. I issued the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, which declared that all enslaved people in the Confederate States shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. This was a bold and controversial move that enraged many white Southerners and some Northerners as well. I also worked to mobilize the Union armies, to raise funds and supplies, and to maintain public support for the war effort. I faced many political and military challenges, such as finding competent generals, dealing with opposition from the press and Congress, and balancing the needs of the army with the needs of civilians. But I never wavered in my determination to win the war and restore the Union. I visited the front lines, talked to the soldiers, and tried to boost their morale. I also reached out to political and military leaders on both sides, seeking a peaceful resolution to the conflict. In 1864, I was re-elected as president, despite strong opposition from the Democrats and some Republicans. I won by a large margin, thanks to the support of the Union soldiers and the loyal citizens who believed in my leadership. 
After the war ended in 1865, I worked to heal the wounds of the nation and to rebuild the South. I proposed a plan of reconstruction that aimed to bring the Confederate States back into the Union, while ensuring that they abolished slavery and granted civil rights to all citizens, regardless of race. Unfortunately, my vision of Reconstruction was not fully realized, due to opposition from white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan, and some northern politicians who lost their resolve to support racial justice. But I believe that my efforts paved the way for future generations to continue the struggle for equality and justice for all. Mr. Lincoln, you mentioned earlier that you struggled with depression throughout your life. How did this affect your personality and leadership style as president? Well, depression was a constant companion of mine, even during my presidency. It was not well understood or treated at the time, so I had to find ways to cope with it on my own. I had periods of deep sadness, lethargy, and despair, and I often felt overwhelmed by the weight of my responsibilities and the pressures of the war. But I also had periods of intense energy, creativity, and inspiration, when I could see the way forward and the possibilities of the future. I used my sense of humor, my storytelling skills, and my empathy for others to connect with people and lift their spirits. I also found solace and strength in prayer, poetry, and music. My personal struggles gave me a deep compassion for the suffering of others and a sense of humility about my own limitations. They also made me more reflective and thoughtful about my decisions, and more open to diverse opinions and perspectives. I was not afraid to admit my mistakes or to change my mind when new information or circumstances arose. In some ways, my depression made me a better leader, because it forced me to be more self-aware, more resilient, and more focused on the big picture. But it also made me vulnerable to criticism, doubt, and self-doubt, and it took a toll on my health and well-being. Mr. Lincoln, as a leader, what were some of the most challenging situations or mistakes that you faced during your presidency, and how did your personality and character help you navigate those situations? Well, there were many challenges and mistakes that I faced during my presidency, especially during the Civil War. One of the most difficult decisions I had to make was whether to issue the Emancipation Proclamation, which would declare that all slaves in the rebel states shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. It was a risky move that could alienate some of my supporters, provoke the Confederacy to fight harder, and ignite racial tensions. But I believed that it was the right thing to do, both morally and strategically. I wanted to strike a blow against slavery, which was the main cause of the war, and to gain the support of the abolitionists in the North and Europe. I also hoped to encourage enslaved people to join the Union Army and to deprive the Confederacy of its main source of labor. So, on September 22, 1862, I issued the Preliminary Emancipation Proclamation, which gave the rebels 100 days to lay down their arms or face the consequences. And on January 1, 1863, I issued the final Emancipation Proclamation, which declared that all slaves in the Confederate States are and henceforward shall be free. Another challenge I faced was the opposition and criticism from some of my generals and politicians, who questioned my strategy, my leadership. Mr. Lincoln, can you tell us about any instances where you showed compassion or empathy towards your political opponents or enemies during your presidency? Certainly, Dev. 
One such instance was during the Civil War when General Robert E. Lee surrendered at Appomattox Courthouse. Rather than seeking retribution or punishment, I showed compassion towards the defeated Confederate soldiers and urged my fellow citizens to do the same. I even ordered that the Confederate soldiers be allowed to keep their horses and take them home, as I believed it was a small gesture that could help ease the pain of their defeat. Another example was during the Battle of Fredericksburg in 1862, where the Union suffered a devastating loss. Rather than blaming or punishing General Ambrose Burnside for the defeat, I chose to write a letter of encouragement to him, acknowledging the difficulty of his position and thanking him for his service to the country. I also showed empathy towards my political opponents, such as when I was criticized for my Emancipation Proclamation. Rather than dismissing or attacking those who disagreed with me, I tried to understand their concerns and explain my reasoning for the proclamation. I believed that showing empathy towards those who opposed me could help bridge the divide between the North and South and bring about a more peaceful resolution to the conflict. Mr. Lincoln I'm curious to know how your personality shaped your leadership style and decision-making as the President of the United States. Can you share your thoughts on that? Certainly, Dev. As you may know, I was known for my calm, patient, and humble demeanor. I had a great ability to listen to people's opinions and concerns and to understand their perspectives. I believed in treating everyone with respect and kindness, regardless of their social status or background. I also had a deep sense of purpose and duty to the country. I believe that it was my responsibility as president to preserve the Union, to uphold the Constitution and the rule of law, and to promote the general welfare of the people. I did not seek power or glory for myself but rather saw myself as a servant of the people. My leadership style was based on consensus building and compromise. I knew that I could not please everyone, but I tried to find common ground and to avoid unnecessary conflicts. I surrounded myself with advisors and cabinet members who had diverse opinions and expertise, and I encouraged them to speak their minds freely. At the same time, I was not afraid to make tough decisions and to take decisive action when necessary. I had a strong sense of moral and political principles, and I was willing to stand up for them even if it meant going against popular opinion or risking my own political future. During the Civil War, I faced many challenges and criticisms from both the North and the South. Some people wanted me to pursue a more aggressive and radical approach to ending slavery and winning the war, while others wanted me to make peace with the Confederacy and avoid further bloodshed. I tried to balance these competing demands and pressures while staying true to my own principles and goals. I issued the Emancipation Proclamation, which declared that all enslaved people in the Confederate States were now free, although it did not immediately end slavery. I also implemented measures such as conscription, income taxes, and suspension of the writ of habeas corpus to strengthen the Union's war effort and authority. What do you believe future politicians should learn from your life and leadership, Mr. Lincoln? In addition to these lessons, I believe future politicians can also learn the importance of staying true to their principles and convictions. I always believed in the fundamental values of democracy, equality, and freedom, and I worked tirelessly to uphold these values, even when it meant making difficult and unpopular decisions. I also believe in the power of humility and self-reflection. 
As a leader, it is important to be open to feedback, to admit mistakes, and to learn from failures. I always tried to surround myself with people who had different opinions and perspectives, and I valued their input and insights. Finally, I think it is important for politicians to have a sense of humor and perspective. Politics can be a stressful and serious business, but it is important to remember to laugh and not take oneself too seriously. A good joke or a funny story can help to diffuse tension and bring people together. It is said that from a young age, you had a remarkable ability to influence people and turn rivals into allies. Can you share with us an example of such a transformative experience? Dev. One example that comes to mind is my encounter with a man named Edwin Stanton. In my early legal career, I had a case in which Stanton was representing the opposing side. He was known for his sharp tongue and disdain for my humble background. Despite this, I recognized his exceptional legal skills and respected his intellect. During the trial, Stanton ridiculed me and belittled my arguments. However, rather than harboring resentment, I saw an opportunity. I studied his strategies, his mannerisms, and his tactics. I realized that by presenting myself as a knowledgeable and respectful adversary, I could win his respect and, ultimately, his support. As fate would have it, years later, when I assumed the presidency, I appointed Stanton as Secretary of War. Many were surprised by my decision, but I saw his potential and recognized the importance of surrounding myself with talented individuals, regardless of past differences. Stanton became an invaluable ally and played a crucial role in guiding our nation through the tumultuous years of the Civil War. Mr. Lincoln. You engaged in renowned debates with Stephen Douglas, which not only garnered national attention but also propelled you into the spotlight. Could you tell us more about those debates and their significance? The debates with Stephen Douglas were pivotal moments in my political career. In 1858, as candidates for the United States Senate, we engaged in a series of seven debates across Illinois. These debates revolved around the issue of slavery and the extension of its reach into new territories. How did you prepare for these debates? What were some of the challenges you faced? Well, I had to study a lot of history and law to be able to counter Douglas's arguments. He was a skilled orator and a seasoned politician, so I knew I had to be well-informed and persuasive. Some of the challenges I faced were the hostile crowds, the biased press, and the physical exhaustion of traveling across the state. What were some of the key points you made during these debates? How did they resonate with the public? One of the key points I made was that slavery was a moral evil that violated the principles of the Declaration of Independence. I argued that the federal government had the power and the duty to prevent its spread into new territories. I also challenged Douglas's doctrine of popular sovereignty, which allowed the people of each territory to decide whether to allow slavery or not. I pointed out that this doctrine was inconsistent with the Supreme Court's ruling in the Dred Scott case, which denied any rights to African Americans. How did these debates affect your political career? Did they help you win the Senate seat? The debates did not help me win the Senate seat, as Douglas had more support from the state legislature, which elected the senators at that time. However, they did help me gain national recognition and support from the Republican Party. 
They also paved the way for my nomination and election as president in 1860. It's fascinating how your persuasive skills and ability to articulate your views gained you such prominence. Speaking of the national spotlight, you were also known to capitalize on technological innovations of the time. Could you elaborate on how you utilize technologies like shorthand, telegraph, and steam-powered presses to boost your fame? Absolutely, Dev. During my time, advancements in technology presented new avenues to disseminate ideas and engage with the public. I recognized the power of the press and utilized shorthand reporters to transcribe my speeches and debates, ensuring that my words reached a broader audience through newspapers. Additionally, the telegraph allowed me to communicate swiftly and directly with people across vast distances, aiding in the coordination of political campaigns and conveying important messages. President Lincoln, it has been an absolute honor to have you on the show today. Your life story and legacy continue to inspire people around the world to this day, and we thank you for your contributions to our society.